The Tablet Show, episode 106, with guests Todd Anglin, Lino Tadros, Gil Clearin, and Laurent Bougnon. Recorded live Wednesday, October 2nd, 2013. From thetabletshow.com, it's The Tablet Show. Conversations about developing software for tablets and other mobile devices with your hosts, Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. In this episode, recorded at DevReach, Carl and Richard moderate a panel discussion on the state of mobile development. This episode of The Tablet Show is sponsored by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support. Online at telerik.com. And now, here are Carl and Richard. Hey, Bulgaria! It's the Tablet Show! <laughs> Sophia, Bulgaria. Love it. Yep. We're at Devry. Beautiful new venue. Yeah. We're in a big room. So this prob- is a big room. You can hear it in the, you can hear in the recording. It's a, it's a big space. Big space. <laughs> yes. Oh, nope. they're whooping it up next door, too. <laughs> yes, they are whooping it up next door. They're trying to outdo us, I'm sure. Hey, uh, let's just roll it with Better Know Framework. All right. Roll the music. All right, buddy, what do you got? All right, well, I went looking for something of mobile, you know, significance. Mobile-ness? I found the ultimate guide of mobile emulators, and I tinyurl'd it. So if you go to tinyurl.com slash go emulate, it's the ultimate guide of mobile emulators. It's a list, 37 to 38 different emulators for iOS, Android, so you have a mobile website. Wow. You want to see how good it looks on your phone. Some of these work better than others. That's why there's a lot of them. So uh, chances are one of them's going to look good. But you take away all my fun, I don't have all those phones. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> if you really want all those phones, great. But uh, there you go. All right, so Simple mobile emulator. So you, take your web, you just point your website. And... Yeah, and the site, if you want the actual URL, it's mobilexweb.com. Slash emulators. Cool. Yeah, and uh, you know, a lot of people point to it. It's a good one. There you go. Know it, learn it, love it. Love it. Who's talking uh, to us, Richard? I grabbed a comment off of show 101, and that's the one we did with Mary Jo Foley, talking about all the craziness around Nokia's acquisition and Bomber retiring right. and so forth. So this comment comes from Tony, and Tony says, Hey guys, great show as always. After listening to you and Mary Jo talk about potential ideas for new phones from Microsoft and listening to the .NET Rocks episode about Google Glass, I had an idea for Microsoft. What if Microsoft had their Nokia engineers, no, they have Nokia engineers, <laughs> create a phone or glasses that incorporated Skype, Connect, and Cortana. Oh my God. So they could make it primarily wireless, but you could connect to any phone when needed. Your Skype connection would allow the user to make and receive video calls. The addition of the Connect technology would allow the person at the other end of the call to see and hear what the caller is looking at. And Cortana would be the intelligence behind learning what the user needs. If Microsoft was to build towers, as Richard, I believe, suggested, and that's when I was talking about we should just make a a Skype phone. There should be just a Skype phone and they use their own towers. Uh, then the glasses would run without any providers being involved. This guy never wants to get laid again, ever. It's pretty geeky, but you know, <laughs> I, I think this is, he's not wrong. Right? No? This is sort of a next generation device. Like, the young kids today will probably not have phones. It'll just yeah. incorporate into some kind of glasses or contacts, mm. and they'll all be integrated. 
he also goes on to say, I could see this being used by doctors to get a second opinion or help with procedures, right? So yeah. telemedicine and inventory industry using it and other ideas like that. And I'd love to buy one of these. Yeah. It'd be fun to play around with. I'm not so sure I want it so intimate all the time. <laughs> well, you know, there's, I think it's important part about the phone is that you can put it away. Yeah. Put it in your pocket. Yeah, I like that. Or as soon as a piece of equipment like that is on your face. Yeah. It's kind of a big deal. Right. Especially when it has your attention and you don't want it to have your attention. Well, let's say the whole Google, are you being a glass hole? Because <laughs> <laughs> you've got that thing and you're looking at yeah. that thing. So, yeah, it's an interesting point. Tony, thanks so much for your comment. A tablet show mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a tablet show mug, just write a comment on the website at thetabletshow.com. And uh, I remember having this conversation with three guys. I was standing in an airport. I'll tell the story. I told it before. Maybe it was on Dotnet Rocks. But uh, I was standing at an airport on my way to Tech Ed with two other guys who were obviously on their way to Tech Ed. One of them was wearing a Bluetooth headset, and the other guy wasn't. And we were all three having a conversation. And all, all of a sudden, one of the, the guy with the Bluetooth headset started saying nonsense things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, had this experience, yep. and uh, it yep. dawned on us that he was including somebody else in the conversation that we didn't know about. Right. He was talking to his wife at the same time he was talking to us, but we didn't know it. And so all of a sudden, he was schizophrenic yeah. to us. Could was, be schizophrenia, could be Bluetooth. Yeah. Don't know. Yeah, I, had I the just guy thought answer, that was incredibly rude. I had the guy answer his, uh, his phone while he was on the can. And I was in the next stall, and I shouted, he's in the toilet. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so anyway, the whole, a whole new set of social problems come along with technology. Yep, that's Without good. a doubt. Without a doubt. <laughs> All right, we got a panel here. We do. Let's have them introduce themselves. Shall we start at, uh, at, at Laurent? Okay. Uh, my name is Laurent Bunion. I'm a senior director at Identity Mind. We've talked a few times already. Yes. Yeah, uh, always good fun. Uh, we do primarily, uh, well, basically all kinds of client development, uh, primarily with Microsoft Technologies. Uh, we develop recently quite a lot for Windows 8, Windows Phone, Xbox, uh, mm. Kinect, all the cool stuff. Okay. And uh, nice to be here. I have two talks here. Come to see me after this talk. Yeah, you get the slot right <laughs> after this one. Yeah, oh yeah, I cannot say that on the show because it's going to be like... Right. In, well, they're not going to yeah. make it, but these guys No, might. <laughs> this guy might, yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, All right. Laurent. Sure. Gil. Hi, I'm uh, Gilles Kleren, coming from Belgium. Um, I'm a .NET architect, mostly doing XAML-based stuff. So mm -hmm. I've been on the XAML train, uh, starting with WPF, moving to Silverlight, and then um, moved to Windows 8 and Windows Phone uh, quite quickly. So um, I'm now focusing most on Windows 8 development, so the XAML part of things. Cool. Lino. I'm Lino Tadros, the President and CEO of Falafel Software. And lately I've been doing a lot of work with Windows Phone, Windows 8, iOS, and Android. And we're having a lot of fun. Todd. Last and certainly least in this panel. <laughs> uh, Todd Anglin, EVP for cross-platform tools and services at Telerik, uh, where I work with a lot of brilliant teams making things like Kendo UI, Icenium, Everlive, and a lot of great stuff for mobile and cross-platform devices. Excellent. Well, Lino, um, you were probably one of the first people that we had on the show that was, uh, had their hands in coming from a C-sharp.net platform moving to iOS and Android and really sort of got, gave us a lot of uh, perspective from a .NET developer's you know, view of uh, what, what developing for the other guys is like. And I remember, you didn't, you I was decided, show number two, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you decided to, to embrace the tools of the platform and not uh, you know, take any shortcuts or whatever, or not use any 
you know, other, other tools. Uh, is that what you're still doing? We actually are a lot more comfortable now by using other tools as well. Not only Objective-C and Java for the main two platforms, yeah. but we're doing a lot of Xamarin for uh, Xamarin Studio and also in Visual Studio writing for iOS and for Android. And we're using actually Icenium as well for HTML5 and JavaScript for the phones as well. So these tools have really grown up on the, on the hybrid end. Icenium is really sort of front and center. Servers in the cloud. Todd, you can probably talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, hybrid uh, is a great promise because it says you can take one code base primarily made with JavaScript, HTML, CSS, and reach all devices. But uh, what a lot of people don't realize about hybrid is that you still have to package up each of those applications natively for the devices you want to hit. So an iOS package, an Android package, a Windows mm. Phone package. So Icenium sort of completes the hybrid promise, one code base and one build process. Mm. So we take all the challenges of debugging and deploying and packaging for all those different ultimately native packages, and we do all that complexity for hybrid. So you can focus on that one workflow, one code base for it hybrid. It truly is one code base? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it, you know, the devil's in the details, but you can have one code base because it's JavaScript and that runs everywhere. But the reality is that often you may have some percentage of your code which is tweaked to each device if you really want to unlock specific capabilities of iOS or Android. But you could have one code base depending on the app that does run across all devices. So is it sort of an if iOS bit of code in there sometimes? Architecturally, there are different approaches, you know, how you do it, whether it's if or it's actually separate files you include. But conceptually, right. it's that, you know, right. largely the same and a few things specific to each platform if you want to tweak. So that's, that's, you guys are helping manage the build process. You're still specifying for, okay, when you do an iOS build, include these files. When you're doing an Android build, include these files. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And Icenium as a tool and as a platform gives developers and development teams the ability to tweak and configure all of that. Uh, in fact, we, we just recently launched Visual Studio integration, which unlocks even more uh, ways for developers to incorporate Icenium into their existing workflows, their existing source control, and all the other things they have. Hmm. So really trying to make it as easy as possible to build those cross-platform hybrid mobile apps. Wow. And uh, you also said you're using the Xamarin tools, which allows you to do this, sort of the same thing, but in C Sharp and creating a completely uh, uh, native, native app. Yeah. yeah. For the people that have been using C Sharp already in our company and don't know Objective-C or Java that have been coming straight from, uh, from C Sharp, mm. uh, it would be a much easier entry uh, mm -hmm. to be able to use what they know about async, await, and all the beautiful things available right now in, <coughs> in C Sharp and continue to work as a first-class citizen in the platform mm -hmm. to write iOS and Android code. We right. had, we had a, an intern project and we simply had a company app that we wanted to build and we gave it to a couple of interns who were just out of school. With, with Xamarin tools, and we let them build it in Windows 8 and then moved it to Xamarin, it was like finished in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's, it's really easy for, for C Sharp, for people who know C Sharp already, to, to actually yeah. start using it. Mm -hmm. There's still this issue around the UI, right? Well, it's yeah. not an issue. Uh, for me, I think the, the main and no offense to you, right? I, I mean, I see a, a lot of promises for hybrid apps. I just think that if you want to have really uh, you know, a high-end app, then having a, a dedicated UI is probably the, the way to go because you want to have a, de a designer who thinks iOS and a designer who thinks Android, you know? Uh, mostly because those people, the, the users in the end, they are used to use iOS, they are used to use Windows Phone. For me personally, I use Windows Phone. I don't want an iOS experience on my, uh, on my phone. Right. I get quite upset when I get that, actually. Well, that, that's today, I might say, and in you know, defense of Icinium, 
there's a lot of companies now that are moving to their own branded look and feel that's and true. moving away from the look but and I feel of the platform. That's correct, but I think only really big companies can do that and not be hurt, mm -hmm. uh, like Facebook and Twitter are the two that come to mind. Mm -hmm. I think that for a, a smaller company, it's, it's kind of hard to do that and they get quite a lot of backlash uh, from users. Like if you check the user reviews when you don't have a... Uh, Recently, there was this uh, untapped uh, client which came with, a, with an iOS look and feel on Windows uh, phone, and the reviews were just awful. They had like one star all the way because people don't want that experience. I think, just you know, to kind of jump on that, I think one of the things, and certainly no offense here to Icenium, because I think what often gets thought of in the mobile debate is that there has to be one way to build all apps. Yeah. Like, if it's not right for this app, then it must be wrong for all apps. And yeah. I think just like in desktop or web software, there are always different ways to build apps, and you should be mm -hmm. marrying the right approach, whether it's web or hybrid or yeah. native, or mm -hmm. even something like Xamarin, yep. to the right app. And it's going to mm -hmm. depend on the requirements of the app, the requirements of the team, mm -hmm. Uh, and certainly, consumer-facing apps, much like the single.com big mm -hmm. website of a company, may be better married That's to native, true. That's but true. those and, uh, internal apps may be best suited by web or, or yeah. hybrid. No, I, I totally agree with you. And uh, in fact, I think my point is that, uh, and, and I, I wrote the Java wave, so I remember the hurt that we got from the you know, right, right ones run everywhere and all that. And I definitely don't want to go back into that because that was really too painful. I, I thought it was right ones debug everywhere. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it was awful. It, and plus, it was struggling everywhere, so that was terrible. But basically, uh, what, I, what I come at is that I think we are, I think the future is really hybrid in all sense of the term, not just hybrid apps, but basically some apps just make more sense native and some apps uh, make more sense. And, and it's not rare that we put a, a web view somewhere in the XAML app to have some web content. You know, it's not rare at all. So it's already a hybrid app if you want. It even works in 8.1 now. It does kind of work. Yeah, in 8.1 it's in 8.1 it works story, because yeah, right, before yeah. that it was horrible. It was really in Windows bad. 8, so yeah, it, was but really it works bad, in yeah. 8.1. Yeah, for example, why would a C sharp developer who knows XAML do anything but build a native Windows Phone app? Right. Right. Because you, know, you want to reach the ten people still using Windows yeah. Phone. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's eleven now. Well, yeah, the link from C <laughs> to JavaScript is definitely bigger than than the, the reverse. I did the reverse. I remember going to to C Sharp and thinking, "Oh wow, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's so easy." <laughs> so I don't yeah. know. I wanted to add actually regarding, for instance, threading. For instance, the threading implementation in iOS is very different than threading implementation in Android. But if you do it in Xamarin, for instance, mm -hmm. you don't have to, to know about all that stuff. You can write it in the C-sharp way, the way you know how to do it in .NET, and you, don't, you leave the implementation of the OS for iOS and Android for Mono for Xamarin to do it. Mm -hmm. So you have to concentrate on the way you know how to do threading, and it's very different between the two mm -hmm. operating systems. So that brings you faster to what you want to actually accomplish. That's a good point, Lino. Yeah. Async await is, is it right It great for both, but it's implemented behind the scenes very different between iOS and Android. Yeah, which yeah, makes sense. Is, I don't know how to categorize Xamarin exactly, because I mean, when I think hybrid, I think Cordova, and, and it's this I build using web languages running in a hosted environment. Mm -hmm. But that's not Xamarin. No, it's it's not that. It's true. The, the build process delivers a, a truly native app in the end. So it's not a, it's not a hybrid app. It's just a, the development process is different. But what they build in the end is uh, not distinguishable from a, from a true uh, Objective-C uh, Objective app. Yeah, there are sort of like three, three and a half categories or ways of building mobile <laughs> three apps. And a half. There's, there's web, traditionally speaking, through right. the browser. Right. Uh, there's hybrid, which is web code packaged in a native shell. Yep. There's native, which as the name implies, is to the native SDKs of each platform. And then there's sort of this like <coughs> uh, option between hybrid and native, which there are things like Xamarin. It's not uh, technically... Sencha is also in this category. Uh, not necessarily Sencha, but co companies perhaps like AppCellator and others. Um, right. And there are different techniques 
techniques across these different companies, and it's not always cross-compile. Sometimes it's just multi-platform native. In the case mm -hmm. of, for instance, Xamarin, it's not cross-compiling as I understand. It's more about bindings to the native languages, and you still do have to maintain separate projects and code. You can share code, but it is still separate projects. It's not sort of right to JavaScript and that one code base runs everywhere. It is compiling into the... Yeah, well, basically what we do platforms. is that we share code. So you have to have a separate project, it's true, but the code base is the same. Yeah. And I think that is the point. What mm. happens is that companies in particular that are building more than one app ultimately are trying to figure out how can we have one code base, or at least right. fewer code bases. Right. And if you exceed limits of web, and then you exceed limits of hybrid, and you've determined, yep, it's going to be a native app, then you're trying to decide how in the world do we build multiple native apps mm. without building multiple native code bases with multiple developer skill sets. Sure. And that's where these multi-platform native or cross-compile solutions become attractive, mm -hmm. gets you to native without multiple code bases. Well, and I think, so Xamarin's addressing the issue of C-sharp everywhere, but you are in it with multiple code bases. You still have to take the time. When you add, want to add a feature, and you're using four different kinds of phones, you have to take the time to make sure all of them get updated. Like, yeah. it's, it's well, not one At least one it's one skill base. set, right? And that's, right. that's half yeah. of so that. I think, but I think it's an important part. Is this, one part of this is skill set, and one part of this is managing new features going into your multiple apps. Do you, but do you see that the, the phone gap style solutions, because it really is one code base, you add the feature once, and all the platforms get it? Well, I mean, one of the ways you extend something like PhoneGap or Apache Cordova um, more generally <laughs> is, is through plugins. And plugins are essentially pieces of native code designed. Right to work with the native SDKs and expose it through a JavaScript proxy to the app. Mm. And if you implement your own native functionality via plugin, you do have to create it for Android, for iOS, right. and mm. each platform. So it's on the burden of the plugin creator, or in the case of the core framework, the Cordova creators, to make sure that the native pieces come up through the JavaScript right. proxies mm -hmm. consistently. And that's not always the case. There are high and low quality plugins, but yeah. Yeah. that's clearly the goal. And I think uh, we'll keep getting better at that. That's but one of the things that you provide is, you know, sort of vetting out those plugins, right? <coughs> sure. You know, we, we try to make that as easy as possible because I think plugins really are the what make the hybrid story complete at the end of the day. And both the hybrid story and the Xamarin story, they're all in Visual Studio now. Is that true? That's For the Visual Studio yeah. developer, but I think it's important to note, I mean, particularly as developers become less locked into single styles of development, like I'm not just a .NET developer anymore. I'm now a iOS and Android and .NET and all other kinds of development that you can use Visual Studio, but you can use these tools outside, right. you know, mm -hmm. code editors, all kinds of places. Right. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be doing more of that. I mean, the days, I think, of one studio and one language are, are rapidly right. fading as we have this multi-platform reality. Yeah, it's a good point. The people who have Visual Studio love the fact that it works in Visual Studio. The ones who don't have it, you know, hey, I don't want to have to spend all this money on Visual Studio. Exactly. You don't have to. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to Richard's question from a few minutes ago regarding the UI piece. Yeah. yeah. We don't actually believe that even if you use Xamarin, you should write the code once, not everywhere. Yeah. Um, the main code, the, the middle tier piece of where the engine is, yes, that's the part I want to use. Mm -hmm. And even that, we still have to create two different assemblies, one for iOS and one for Android. A lot sure. of people think, mm -hmm. in my session yesterday, people thought I'll create one assembly and that would be used everywhere. No, you have to actually create it. The code is the same, but sure. you still have to create two different mm -hmm. assemblies, one for iOS for Android. But we usually, in our team, for instance, back in California, the UI is very different. That's why each one of these guys have 250 page worth of documentation on their guidelines for the UI. Right. To think you're going to write the UI once and it's going to look the same mm -hmm. under iOS and Android, you're probably not going to pass even the store um, mm -hmm. if the 
they want to be really picky, they're not going to, because iOS has a completely different look. Mm -hmm. So you have to spend some time in Xamarin or in anywhere else to work with the NIP files to create your user interface the way Apple is expecting it, and mm -hmm. then in Android the way yeah. people are used to it. And that's the piece that actually Asinium brings to the table, yeah. which is great. It's the same code, and the Kendo UI and the Asinium behind the scene, if it's iOS, the menu's at the bottom, if, if it's Android, is at the top, and you don't really need to deal with that kind of stuff. That's happened automatically. So it does bring a lot to the table. But with Xamarin, you really need to create the UI differently. So that, that's a very good point. Um, Kendo UI is a product that existed before Icenium with the idea that you can build UI. You don't have to build it. You guys handle the UI to make the look and feel of the platform. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the things we went out of the gate with Kendo UI Mobile uh, was the idea that we could have an auto-adapting framework so you could focus on your app and we could adapt to the nuances of different platforms. And, and Kendo UI Mobile does that very well. Uh, over the last six months to a year, we've actually spent a lot of time diving deep into mobile performance and understanding what makes those web and hybrid apps feel sluggish, uh, right. what gets you below that 60 frames per second. And, and one of the things we found is that it's not the JavaScript. A lot of people like to just toss out the JavaScript is slow. It's not really the JavaScript. Usually it's the CSS mm -hmm. and the yeah. memory it takes to move complex CSS. So it's when you've got that rich look and feel on a mobile device and then you try to move it, that's where the slowness comes in. We found if you strip out a lot of that heavy shading, sort of the skeuomorphic styling in particular that uh, iOS used to, I guess, yeah. uh, push forward. Uh, if you took that out, you could actually really boost the performance and reduce the battery drain of these mobile apps. And so we've now baked that into Kendo UI as well as an option. So if you don't want that adapting look that changes for every platform, kind of to the context of the conversation earlier, you can have more of an app identity. And what we found is a lot of companies like this idea now of having an identity for their app. So whether your user is an Android user today and then gives up his Android phone and now he's an iPhone user, when he finds your app or is using it on different devices, he knows it's your app knows how to use it, recognizes your brand, and Netflix is a good example of this. You know, everywhere you launch Netflix, it starts the big red screen and the logo, and yeah. mm -hmm. they adapt them to different platforms for usability, but it has an identity. You know it's Netflix mm -hmm. when you find it. Well, there's another app that is sort of like that, and that's the .NET Rocks app. It, <laughs> it's brand, how many people use our mobile app? We oh, use the mobile app? Oh, yeah, okay, a few well, hands out there. So it, it is like that. It, it looks like the .NET Rocks app. I mean, the main feature of it is the logo, and granted, it's just a bunch of links and a couple of buttons. And, and things, think about but, the enterprise yeah. story. I mean. As enterprises create more and more line of business apps for mobile, how if you make it different for every platform, you have to train all of your Android users and all of your iOS users and all of your Windows Phone users separately, separate documentation. And if you can get to the point where the core concepts are similar, right. clearly you're going to have distinctions and navigation and sure. things that are different per platform. You can reduce the training. Yeah, I, I, I still think we need to be to be careful about that because personally, like as a Facebook user, I get irritated that the Facebook app uses different UI concepts than you know, my Windows phone does. And I remember when I first saw it, uh, even though it has a lot more feature, I actually didn't like it so much because I found that, hey, why do I have to tap here to send a message when normally I, I'm used to tap down, right? So I think the, the firms, as I said, I think Facebook can afford because, you know, they are, well, if you don't use them, what do you use, right? But, uh, but for all the firms, I, I rather recommend them to be a little bit careful about that and to think twice. Because the, the training thing, maybe it's a good point, but at the same time, if you use Windows Phone concepts or Windows 8 concepts on a Windows 8 slate, basically the idea is that you, you don't really need to train your users because they are already used to those concepts. So maybe, like you said, right, yeah. for the navigation concept at least, like, you know, an obvious, an obvious uh, example, you wouldn't like to have a back button on your screen on Windows Phone because you have 
the back button, which is uh, baked I mean, in. Yeah, so these kind of those, things. And I think are, those are like the tweaks you can build in. Uh, mm -hmm. Particularly, back button is like one of the most common ones. That's yep. different different platforms. So I would say that's an obvious tweak. But I would yep. say at the same time, Windows Phone suffers here from being that distant third place because iOS and Android are far more similar mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. And so Windows Phone mm -hmm. often does just sort of get pushed the iOS and Android experience. Mm -hmm. And I, until they can sort of force more share into the market, mm -hmm. I think that oftentimes it's going to be the iOS Android experience sort of flowing towards Windows Phone. Yeah, for better possible. or worse, yeah. I just think that's sort of the, the market mm -hmm. leadership status. Maybe worse for you guys because now it's going to make a your job at Kendo UI a little bit harder. I'm just curious, you know, yeah, what about the iOS 7 impact? Like, they mm -hmm. looks like a ma about. pretty major uh, UI revision from Apple. Yeah, I and mean, we, we worked hard uh, to be ready on day one for iOS 7, and for us, it, you know, it was obviously theme changes, gesture changes. Um, you know, it was not so difficult for us to adapt to it. I think it's still a harder change for the users. Uh, when yeah. you know, the operating system changes, swipe left to delete to swipe, or swipe right to delete to swipe left, you know, that, that's going to, yeah, sorry, Lino, I'm going to poke your eye out <laughs> Don't here. Don't delete, Lino. Victim of iOS 7. But, you know, it's, it's mostly cosmetic. You know, there are some navigational sort of gesture things. Right. But, you know, it's something we have to adapt to. And I think that only speaks to the constant state of flux that the industry is still in. You know, we're still determining winners and losers in uh, mobile platforms. We're still rapidly and radically changing platforms. Mm -hmm. And I think, unlike desktop, where we're pretty stable. I mean, mm -hmm. Windows 8 certainly has changed some of that stability yep. on desktop, yep. but we've been pretty stable for a long mm -hmm. time. Mobile so did you do a BlackBerry version, or sorry? Did you do a BlackBerry version, or didn't you even give? Can you I mobile ship with BlackBerry support actually before Windows Phone support? Before uh, BlackBerry, before went away. So. Uh, but BlackBerry clearly is uh, well, not really high priority at the moment. <laughs> yeah, they're not having a good day. Not, no, not, not so good. The four people are still using it are really upset that you don't have it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, there are some Z10s out there. Like, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens from here. And, I, and I'm curious to see how the market share ultimately goes down mm. uh, with the changes in Nokia, the, the reference we mm. made to show 101. Well, one thing, you know, one thinking about this, one thing I like about the hybrid solution is I think they're probably a little bit m more agile to adapt to the, to the next phone that comes along. Whereas, you know, it took sort Xamarin sort of a long time. I mean, they have to make a compiler and binding to an operating mm, system. I'm not you know sure what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, iOS 7 was out pretty much on day one as well. No, 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 but, but that's iOS. What if a yeah. completely new phone with okay. a completely new operating so system comes along? there are all waves of those along. operating systems. I mean, Tizen is a huge one that's backed by Samsung and a, a right. cadre of industry heavyweights. It's open source. It's Linux right. Foundation. Mm -hmm. It's HTML-based. Uh, all the apps are, so it's sort of another reason that HTML matters. Sailfish OS. I mean, there are all kinds of... Chrome OS things trying to fight there. They're on the fringes by yeah, far, right. mm -hmm. but uh, there's a lot of them out there. And they're really more important in emerging markets, uh, mm -hmm. and I think we'll see where they, how much they then come back and dominate. Do you have a sense that any of these other OSs are going to get some traction? Like I would think that Chrome OS is a pretty big deal because it's that's the same guys, right? Like that's that's Google again. Mm. Is Google going to abandon Android at this point? I, I mean, I think it's hard to say where Google's going, other than to say that the uh, VP that's in charge of Chrome is now also in charge, charge of Android. Of Android. So, yeah, Andy Rubin has moved on. Right. So convergence will certainly, I think, continue to happen. Um, we know that Chrome continues to push things like packaged apps, so yeah. creating natively packaged HTML, JavaScript-based apps. I just wonder, you know, I look at what's happened at Android as the same thing that happened to the old Windows phone. They supported so many devices, and anybody could do what you wanted, and it's so fragmented and I don't know that it's ever going to unfragment. And it, I don't know if Google has the nerve 
to say, well, we're just not going to work on it anymore. Here's the better solution, and it's Chrome OS. Right. And, you know, in the real problem is you have sort of a dominant player in the Android space in the form of Samsung, and Google increasingly trying to say, this is how Android devices will look, and Samsung yeah. saying, we want more authority and control to say yeah. what it's going to look mm -hmm. like. And that's why their support of something like Tizen is something you have to watch, because yeah. it's sort of like the the more Android Android, it's the even more open source, open source mobile platform, which they have more control to change, to manipulate, and make it more of their own instead of Google's operating system on their popular devices. Yeah, right? and, I'm, and I'm going back and forth. Is open source an advantage when we're dealing in this environment? It may be an advantage in the sense of market share. The carriers like it, carriers but I don't like it. it when the carriers like things. Mm. Right. Right? <laughs> so it depends on who you're talking to, yeah. about the advantage for sure. Well, because carriers clearly don't like their customers. <laughs> They're doing a very good job of making us all miserable. Yeah. And this well, that's in the U.S., though. I mean, stories in other places are a little bit different. You think, is it really a North American thing? Is Europe well, here, in love with their carriers? Like, well, no, it's all good? I wouldn't say that, but uh, you, I mean, buying, uh, I mean, the same conditions you guys have, people here would do revolution. Let's poll the audience. Bulgaria, do you love your carrier? Make some noise. Love a carrier? No. <laughs> no. Hand. Yeah. One hand. Yeah. Okay. He works for uh, carriers, and, I think. That guy works for Amgel. <laughs> yeah. I'm not in love with my carrier either, but I, I mean, I, at least I can buy a Swisscom a phone which is unlocked. Right. right? Yeah. So that's what, what really matters to me. If I come to Swisscom and I have a phone that I bought somewhere else, I tell them, just give me a SIM card, and they do, right? So your conditions are really worse than every, everywhere yeah. else. But, and I'm, I, I mean, and on one side, certainly I agree with the whole locked, and that's, uh -huh. that's an issue. But it's the customization that I think is yeah. the problem, right? For me as a developer, you know, it's the drawer of broken dreams thing here, right? Every time I get it working on one phone, it breaks on a different phone. Mm -hmm. Because these guys, you know, I think it's worth customizing your app to work perfectly with Samsung because it's such a big chunk of the market. But how many other phones aren't, it, you're not going to be able to make it work for them. Mm -hmm. And Samsung's the big giant here because, you know, you've now got Microsoft owning Nokia, uh, yeah. or at least likely to. You've got Google, who is benefiting from Android being everywhere. They, they bought Motorola, but really the biggest provider. But if you use the Moto X? It's I've not used it, no. It's really quite a good phone. Like, I, and it's not a super high-spec phone. Like, I think they made a really interesting choice there. It's a very well-balanced phone. It speaks well of what could come from Motorola. Absolutely. Yeah. So you've got that. So you've got them. And then you've got, of course, Apple and, and iOS and owning all the iDevices. Um, but Samsung's sitting here with a massive number of devices out there relative mm -hmm. to the other providers. Right. And they're the only one in that picture who doesn't own an operating system. And they desperately want more control. This portion of the Tablet Show is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik. Hey, can you ever have too many free tools to complement your development skills? I didn't think so. So our friends at Telerik are giving you now more than 30 free products for application development, automated testing, agile project management, and content management. And we're talking free-free. Not a trial, not a demo, but free, complete products supported by a community of over 440,000 developers at Telerik Forums. From free ASP.NET AJAX, ASP.NET MVC, and Silverlight controls, to the free ORM solution and automated testing framework, to free agile management tools and content management systems, all of these and more are available to you for immediate download at Telerik.com slash free stuff. Most of the free products can be used for commercial purposes and give you access to supplemental support resources such as documentation and forms. Go to Telerik.com slash free stuff now and take full advantage of the available free of charge products. And don't forget to thank them for supporting the tablet show. Getting back to development, Lino, um, tablet development. 
you do both platforms. You do sort of a hybrid approach. You do a native approach. What uh, is, is is any or either of these just as good for tablets as they are for phones? Yeah, this is the same thing. Actually, usually our customers now require universal apps for iOS, yeah. for instance, and we Xamarin uh, can do it pretty well. We either. can do it Objective C as well. Okay, and, and do your customers don't care which approach you take, do they? No, none of your customers they ever. To, they used to actually. They used to want it to Objective C. They wanted. Uh, they used to, but yeah. not maybe in the last year, year and a half, they really don't care as much. Remember all the hoopla about I Apple woke up on the wrong side of the bed and told yeah. everybody it has to be written Objective-C, otherwise yeah. it would not be accepted right. because of the war with Adobe, and they were worried that so they, they would were hijack really, the platform. So they were a little worried about it. Is, yeah, it is, is that the reason that they, they were asking for Objective-C's to avoid the store conflict, or is it they felt that that was the highest quality app? I believe the reason why they didn't, and I talked to a lot of people from Adobe, which they are in the Bay Area as well, they believe that if... If Adobe came up with a, uh, with a tool or a framework that does a very good job and grabs all the developers, which they have millions of developers for Adobe, sure. and people start building applications for iOS on their framework, what happens now when I, Apple wants to move to iOS 8? Right. And Adobe is six months behind. They don't want to move their frameworks to iOS 8. They just hijack their platform, and people say, we will not move to iOS 8 until Adobe moves their product right. forward. And mm -hmm. Apple did not want to be taken hostage by something like that. Sure. Mm. Yeah, to be honest, I'm, I'm still not totally sure why I understand, why Apple is still allowing PhoneGap apps. I, I still don't quite get it. Because from a business perspective for Apple, it makes less sense than to have a than everybody you know, else. pure native app. But it, I mean, that ship sailed now. I know, I know, I agree. Doesn't it mean more developers on the platform? No, Isn't maybe. I mean, it's possible, but uh, you know, Apple has such a power right now. Well, maybe not right now, but let's say two years ago, mm -hmm. they could have said, no, no. That's objective you're nothing. Maybe and then Steve was like, have come, you know? maybe Steve was on medication and out of his mind when he's like, yeah, I guess ah, so. yeah. <laughs> but let, you know, let's let that one Apple go. Apple does get swayed. They, they have reversed a few decisions. That was mm -hmm. one of them because they originally did come out against mm -hmm. it, and then yeah. I think they they did get swayed. I and mean, that's why competition's good. I mean, that's yeah. why having Android and even a healthy Windows that's Phone marketplace are good because it keeps Apple honest. Yeah. Mm. Maybe they'll even have Silverlight on the iPhone someday. Who knows? <laughs> well, do you want to talk? The, I think the plug-in story's dead, right? Like, it, I'm now getting pretty adamant about just not installing Flash on machines anymore, just talking desktops. And I don't want Java on my machine anymore. Like, it's just, I think this is... Well, Flash, Flash, is kind of, uh, Flash is kind of a weird story because, uh, like, for example, on Windows 8, I, I run Flash on it. I still run Flash. That's the only, yeah. the only plugin. Well, the I still would like, obviously, but no, on desktop and uh, okay. on, the, on the, the RT as well. So on the RT, you can have Flash, right? Mm -hmm. And the, the thing is that a lot of uh, web developers out there are not very good, unfortunately. Not the guys here. The guys here are These fantastic. These guys are amazing. Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, so, so they know how to handle the media thing when, when it's an iOS you know, browser, but mm -hmm. they don't really care or they don't know how to do it when it's not. So if you don't have Flash on an RT, you have a lot of sites which don't work. Really. Right. No, but you don't so, have Silverlight on RT. No, you don't have Silverlight on RT, but at least you know you have the rich content. So so I still care about Flash. I don't care much about the Java pop-up which comes every time that I start my computer. But yeah. the reason why Apple always hated Flash so much and they really wanted to take it out completely is because whenever you crash on a, on a regular Mac, not the iOS, just sure. the, whenever you crash, they get actually, they ask if you'd like to send the dump of the, the crash back to Apple. Yep. And the number I heard is that over 60% of the reason why Mac OS crashes is because of Flash. <laughs> so they hate Flash wow. at Apple because it's the reason, number one reason they crash the OS, the OS X. Mm. Uh, 
Sixty percent of yeah. the crashes are caused by flat. Uh, my little laptop there has. I, I, I'm on, usually in Chrome, and the, although Chrome says Shockwave has crashed, it's yeah. Flash. Mm-hmm. But and I, I, kudos to Chrome for knowing how to kill Flash yeah. without mm-hmm. taking itself out. Mm-hmm. Well, Chrome, uh, I think, is one of the first browsers to build it in and not let it be a plugin. Like right. the Flash mm-hmm. implementation shipped with the browser, so you couldn't get them out of sync and create yeah. unpredictable oh, that's scenarios. Good. But, yeah, just, you, know, you talk about the browser and the web, and just because I haven't heard it mentioned here, I, I, one of the things I think is funny is whenever we talk about mobile development, we gravitate towards hybrid and native, but what we found is that uh, a lot of developers, in fact, a lot in the enterprise space especially, are still perfectly served by web. Yeah. In fact, they, they almost prefer it over those other forms because what happens when you create a hybrid or native app? Now you have to install software, yep. which means you have to manage said installed software and updates. And a lot of people don't realize, once you make that leap, now you've got to figure out new, new ways of securing the app, mm-hmm. uh, access management, and that's a whole other set of either services or IT infrastructure that you may not be prepared to deal with. And the web may still be a perfectly suitable way, especially if your users are always online, always in the building when they use your app. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I think it's important for developers not to make the instant leap to installed hybrid and native apps when web may still be the easiest and most manageable way to get to a mobile And that's device. when the responsive design comes in. Yeah. And responsive design is a great technique. I got well, to say kudos to my, my partner here, Carl, who's now done M.dot versions of .NET Rocks and the Tablet Show, and even run as radio, uh, using my, a very clean set, like, you'll like it. And we have apps. Right. And we, but we still have that mobile site, and it, it works. It's, very, it, it's nice on the phone. When yeah. you actually understand a phone and, you, and mm-hmm. you look at it, it's not technically responsive design, but it's built for a phone. But, you know, it's a simple page. It's a list of audio, right? And it's a sure. searchable list. And, and it's not I think hard. What, I, what I've seen a lot lately is that the mobile conversations, almost all mobile conversations, are dominated by decisions you would make to build a consumer-facing app. Right. But the large majority of apps that we will probably be building in the future are going to be internal apps, much like the line of business apps we've been mm-hmm. building uh, for Windows forever. And I think that so many of the decisions we've thought about or made to serve the consumer uh, aren't exactly necessarily the same ones we'd make for the internal yeah, It's app. a different market for sure. Yeah, that's why we still pay a lot of attention to uh, you know, classic development platforms like WPF, for example, even though uh, you know, sometimes we have a feeling that Redmond doesn't care so much, but uh, it's, uh, it's still a, a big market, actually. And WPF, especially in the US, is, uh, is still a market where Absolutely. a lot of developers The folks we're talking to, a building for tablet, too, are saying mm-hmm. yeah. the, the install story for Metro is just too difficult. And they're yeah. using WPF in desktop yeah. mode on tablets. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, we have we have just finished a huge WPF project for the government, mm-hmm. and don't think that the government already starts moving to Windows 8 or using apps in general. And it's actually an occasionally connected client, so it's actually an app that it could be an app, mm-hmm. but yeah, app yeah, governments are not ready for yeah, apps. Especially yet. since it's not really hard to build, a, you know, UI that fits to touch. I mean, it's, no. uh, it's, it's Turns really out easy, right? Windows 8 is a great, is the best platform for WPF. Well, <laughs> yeah, it works, it works great on it. Actually, yeah, it works perfectly on WPF. Uh, on awesome. Windows 8, but it's built well, like, in WPF. Well, in the kernel now, right? Like, we're driven down low level. When, if well, I see not, kernel, people get angry. Not in desktop mode. But not in desktop. Yeah. 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 Only in WinRT. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I, I have faith that they'll get there, that they'll fix the side-loading story soon, I hope. Please. Mm-hmm. Please, we're well, begging you. About, so I think the sideloading thing is mostly about uh, about licensing, really, mm-hmm. right? Yep. I mean, from a from a purely technical point of yeah, view. Yeah, but it just needs is, to get easier. Yeah, it, it needs just to needs yeah, get easier. Yeah. But this loops back to what Todd was talking about on the website, which is the app store thing. Is I feel like it's over. 
Not only is there no gold rush left, but I hate going to app stores now. They're full of crap. I mean, the app stores that we think about when we say it are the consumer app stores. I mean, a lot of people don't have the conversation about how do you deploy apps that aren't meant for public app stores. And those are all kinds of either direct Mm -hmm. deployment or private app stores. And they're difficult. And I think a lot of people still need to figure that story out. They're difficult to search, right? I mean, if you're looking for a category of app and you search that category, you may... go through 2,000 results, but that's the different thing. If you're a company that has, you know, the Falafel software app, you have a link on your website, you send it to your... Exactly, that's my point. And that's perfectly fine. The apps I install, I mean, even on the Windows Phone Store, we have so many apps now that it's hard to search. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Just kidding, but but seriously, I I never, I almost never search on the Windows Store. You don't find what you want. No, it's true. What what do I do? I have uh, curated sites, like for example, there is a great uh, blog, you know, for Windows Phone, where I go there, and then I say, oh, there is a new app. Oh, cool, they recommend it, I install it. Yeah. To the idea of the gold rush and to the public app store, one thing that we saw with the iOS 7 wave is a lot of developers who've been giving away updates to their iOS apps for free for five years saying, uh, let's use the iOS 7 transition. Since it's big, it requires Mm. effort for us to finally charge again for our apps. But did you see the reactions? They got flack for that. I, I was reading an article about that, and they were some people were saying this is robbery, you know. And I was like, dude, you paid ninety nine cents five years ago for this app. Come yeah, on, I mean, you know. I've been doing work since then. I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. So I mean, crazy. I think we'll see other kinds of like gold rushes come as you know new waves of platform come, you know, and major shifts. So take for example the guy who built that app five years ago and decided not to update it for iOS seven. Some new guy can come in and try to become the iOS seven mm, yep. version of that app and, mm-hmm. and make a new mini. Gold rush yeah, the question is, how could he be visible when there's 900,000 apps in that store? Well, you know, what did Apple do when iOS 7 launched? They featured all the apps ready for iOS 7. Right. So if you can get in those little windows of opportunity, you can mm-hmm. unseat some of the perhaps established players. But it's going to be far smaller and far less frequent right. to get into those gold And rushes. I appreciate the idea that you just don't go to the store anymore. It's your site that leads to a link to get the deployment yeah. done. Yeah. We could easily switch away. You know, Once you're in that mode, you could switch away from the store and nobody would even know. You click on the link and it goes somewhere else to get the app. Sure. I guess so, yeah. Well, I mean, that, that, that is one of the ways enterprise deployment works, you know, when you can know the devices. The yeah. challenge, of course, is the security of where the app's coming from, yeah. how it's been vetted. And I think mm-hmm. that's what the App Store still does a good job of, is ensuring mm-hmm. for the consumer who does not want to think about, is this a safe app to yes. download? Mm-hmm. Somebody's vetted this. Yeah, and there are My a few bugs. I mean, up. if you get a new phone, for example, and then you go to the, you know, to the, to the web, uh, to the Windows Phone web, then they show you all the apps that you ever had, yeah. and then you can choose to reinstall them. So it, it's not right. bad. I mean. Yeah, for, for the consumer who's never had a mobile device, like the, the must-have apps, for those things it's necessary. But you can also do the via website. Yeah, yeah. but it, same, like I said, it, I fear for anybody coming in brand new trying to find what should I put on my phone yeah. from that app yeah, store. Yeah, some stores Birds, give you some... Uh, yeah, they give well, you some, think, some... Yeah, you end up going to a website that says, here's the top 20 apps, yeah. and there's links to each of the apps. So you never mm-hmm. actually go to the store. Nope. You just grab that's them true. directly from you the list. You just install yeah, it via the store, and that's it. Things, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Well, maybe that's the next gold rush, is to have a website that curates. It really curates. Yep. yep. Well, the bigger thing for me is just figuring out what's dead in the store. Like, shouldn't this Mm. stuff be culled? Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's companies that run stats. I don't call them off the top of my head, but it is a shocking number of apps which basically make nothing. Yeah, like crazy. Every app store is like Hell, there's a shocking number of websites that need to go away. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe this is just another problem in a new form. Another Um, media problem, right? You know, it's... 
I think like a lot of people we're talking to today, for instance, are not going to be making the next Angry Birds, the next big consumer hit. Mm -hmm. so the decisions that they need to be concerned about are the ones that practically affect how am I going to build a portfolio of mobile apps that I can maintain yeah. over mm -hmm. time. And uh, the decisions and the debates and all the things about public app stores and discoverability just don't apply. You know, those aren't right. the problems you have to deal with. But it, I, I'm still waiting for that enterprise revolution for phones, for example, mm -hmm. that it's going to be a normal practice for for a company to have an app. When you come to work for us, what smartphone you got, here's our app or set of apps that we need you to use. Yeah. I think that's already happening, isn't it? I just don't it's becoming more common, but I think yeah. there's still a lot of room to improve that story. Well, yeah. we do, we do. I mean, especially on Windows Phone now, as the enterprise story, as opposed to Windows 8, is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, we do really enterprise apps, where they are branded for that app, and the public yep. never sees them. It's just for their employees. You know? I hear there's a, a bit of uh, enterprise stuff happening with Surface, too, these days. Mm -hmm. A few companies embracing it. Oh, yeah. Delta Aero? Delta, Delta, Delta yeah. did, yeah. yeah. 11,000 surfaces or something? Yeah, Delta is using Surface 2 for their flight bag, yep. which yeah. has normally been the domain of iPad. Mm -hmm. uh, Jepson got, got it running with iPad a while ago. I think all of uh, United's using it. But mm. It's yeah, interesting times as far as that's concerned to start seeing tablets. Mm -hmm. Especially, I mean, I love my phone. I keep switching it because I have a short attention span. Today <laughs> it's a Nexus. Uh, uh, but I think that seeing tablets in the enterprise really, really like changing the way people work, mm -hmm. uh, that's a, a huge opportunity space for all of us as developers. Sure, and as mm -hmm. long as it's bring your own device, as long as that continues to be a trend that IT allows and embraces uh, for various reasons. Embraces, I'm not sure, but allows maybe. Uh, 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 I'm not sure they like it. <laughs> Analysts are mixed, you know, the embraces because mm -hmm. a lot of IT organizations are viewing it as a way of cutting their budgets, you know, yeah. whatever the case may be. The problem is that when you have great solutions from Microsoft and Windows and, let's say, from Google for Android, they're only for that platform that that vendor cares about. And the reality for everybody else outside of the vendors is we don't get to pick one platform anymore. Mm -hmm. Well, I, so I, I can throw my IT hat on, you know, when it, on the run-ass side, saying for a long time, bring your own device happened because IT didn't have an answer. But mm -hmm. we're starting to have an answer now. Mm -hmm. So the, the, I do expect we're going to have organizations now where you're going to show up and say, hey, I want to, you know, this all started when the CTO came in with an iPad and said, I'm going to be using this, make it work. And I feel that the IT, most IT guys now are going to be able to whip out a Surface 2 or whatever device they vetted and said, love that you love that, you can use this. It's just mm -hmm. like that. I don't know. I mean, I think that the... the Data would suggest otherwise. CIOs uh, report today that on average they support three and a half different platforms in their organizations, and mm -hmm. that was, I think, as of last year, and they expected that number only to grow going forward. So it may take a while to unseat this idea of bring your own device, and you know, when users start coming and suddenly they're saying, nope, you can't use that brand new device you stood in line to buy uh, last night, right. you know, that's going to be shocking, especially as these younger generations we talk about continue to come up and they're Snapchatting and uh, everything as they walk through the door. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, <laughs> but I also think it supports the issue, right? As an IT guy, try, with what you do with your iPhone, I don't want my stuff on your phone and you don't want my stuff on the phone. You, it's easier for me to issue another phone. And there's a huge shift here right now, actually, because uh, this is the space of mobile device management, which says I control your phone right. versus mobile app management, which is I control the apps that represent our business on your phone. Mm. And the shift is actually away from device management and into app management, where my apps live <coughs> in isolated environments with mm. isolated data. I don't care about the rest of your phone as long as I can secure the part that matters to us. Right. And that is the modern trend. So it's further they're, sort of They're trying to solve that, that problem. And, it, and the, problem, the, the thing that I'm running into it, with some of my customers now is that that surfaces the issue of liability for data 
and the responsibility of the organizations. And suddenly you have employees really upset. It's like, my IT guy looks at my phone. Yeah, you've got company stuff on the phone. Right. He has to, mm-hmm. it's, 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 uh, he's liable. And so now they say, well, then I don't want stuff on my phone. Fine, yeah. here's another phone. Yeah, if you bring your own device, it's not really your own it's device anymore. It's not your own device anymore. anymore. Right. And I think that's what, is, that's what bring your own device is bringing to the surface, is mm-hmm. the realities of business require that you have to give up a certain amount of ownership of your own device. Well, I, I have to say, especially when I go to the US, I'm surprised to see how many people have two phones. Yeah. Uh, it's not something I, I do personally, but uh, I, I can get it. I mean, I can understand that. We go to Southeast Asia, people have four phones. Yeah. Like, it's just, phones are cheap. And plans vary. Mm-hmm. You have four phones. Yeah, but I'm a freak. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, and now you have, uh, you know, internet sharing, for example. So maybe you don't even need a plan for your two phones. Yeah, I mean, I've, maybe you need a plan just for one. Often you see that. Right? Yeah. Hong Kong's great for this. The average taxi cab driver has four phones. And the reason is he's got a plan that's super cheap on the inbound mm-hmm. from China and a plan that's super cheap on the outbound yeah. to Hong Kong. And that's, <laughs> he just has a different SIM for each one. And he's got one fancy phone. He's got an iPhone or an Android. And uh, his tethering probably and then the rest too. Are, are just feature phones. <laughs> uh-huh. A lot of people usually ask me. I mean, I do a lot of talks in, in the United States on developing on iOS, Android, and Windows Phone at the same one hour, one day, eight hour. Right. So I usually have the three phones at the same time. Mm-hmm. And some people tell me you need to lose weight. I say I can't lose weight. I need to have all of them. Need <laughs> <laughs> room for the phones. But I think we, this is an interesting place that we're starting to get to. Is that it, well, for a long time it was iPhone, BlackBerry, right? The iPhone was your device, and the BlackBerry came from the company. Yeah. And I wonder if we're, we're headed back to that. It just won't be a BlackBerry anymore. Yeah, I mean, or it'll be interesting iPhone. to see. It'll be a huge shift if it happens. Uh, and I know from personal observation, I've got family that works in uh, companies like Chevron, big big oil companies, which are usually the last to do anything forward-moving on technology. And over the last three to five years, I've watched those companies start issuing iPhones and issuing uh, Android devices, and basically letting you choose a phone from a library of right. options as long as you let them secure it and enforce their password policies yeah. and all the rest. So if those guys are already moving that direction, I think we have a long road ahead if we're ever going to get back to the... IT controlled and issued device. But it, I mean, it's interesting that is the, it, there is a spectrum and there's this immediate acceptance of this is how we're going to control it. You have to decide if you want to live with that or go get something else for yourself. Exactly, and that's absolutely yeah. true. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think it's a bad place to be, right? It's, it's really surfacing the truth about what we're actually doing these mm-hmm. days. Yeah, I mean, and, and mobile devices are funny in that way. I mean, we're creating software, it's against just software, uh, but unlike that desktop, which sits on your employee's desk and more or less stays there. Right, and, and your employee laptop. has no doubt that that's the company's machine with the company's data. It's, yeah. it's the personalness of phones that makes mm-hmm. this confusing. And it's always with you, it lives with you, it mm-hmm. travels with you, it goes to well, dinner you know, with you. I, I remember uh, back then when I had the company phone, uh, when I was working for a big firm, and I had the problem that, okay, they were paying my, my, uh, my subscription, right? So what do I do if I place a private call? Um, am I allowed to do that? And we already had this kind of discussions, yep. right? It was always kind of a pain, right? So the pain is now well, even bigger because you use the phone more. Yeah. But it's that whole invasiveness of, yeah. what is this phone number? What is yeah, that right. phone number? Exactly, right. yeah. Maybe and well, it, it. at least at the time, they couldn't at least listen to my calls. Now they can see the data. So it's kind of a, you know, a worse problem to have, right. I guess. We can always check with the NSA. They know. Well, so, they do know. That's right, because yeah. everything's backed up there. <laughs> right. um, Aren't they shut down now? So, the NSA? Oh, goodness I no. think so. And I th- this is what Todd was talking about. What if the company has an app where everything that you do for the company is, including you know, Skype calls or whatever, mm. is all encapsulated in that app, and you never connect to the intranet. You're always on you know, the internet Wi-Fi at the company. You install the app. And then you're in a box. You're in a sort of a sandbox. Is, would that be acceptable in your IT world, Mr. Campbell? 
Well, I think what you just described is a virtualized environment. Right. Mm -hmm. We're getting to the point with the horsepower in these things where you literally could just run the company VM inside the phone. Mm -hmm. It'd be the company's phone VM, and then there's your phone VM. Well, maybe not a VM, but an app, you know, an app that does everything that you need to do for your company in one place. I think think that could be a place we end up going. You still have that issue of, what are you calling with? Like right. which identity you're in? The, you're now going to have two contact lists. Like mm-hmm. the, right. it's that's the, the whole mixing of devices just scares me. And these things are getting so cheap. It's like it's not worth the pain. Just get them another one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, well, the users right are driving this. As long as the consumerization of of IT continues to be a force, um, what happens is that yes. Mr. IT, I know you want to give me another phone, but I don't want to carry two phones, so <laughs> you make my life easier. You know, is that sort of mentality that's, that, for whatever reason, is winning right now. Mm. And fortunately for users, IT is finding creative solutions to keep that, that balance working. Um, and I think that benefits the user. Yes, it makes it a bit more complex for the app developers, because we do have to think about how do we secure apps and you know, add the company's crypto to make sure data is in a right. very secure place. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, the I don't see the average CIO wanting to have uh, the the five phones on the belt. Uh, to, to, you know, well, you know, you're you're above average. So. <laughs> That's a lot of belts. Uh, we've got about maybe ten minutes yeah, left. Let's take some questions. Any questions to the audience for this panel? We have a question from the audience. Hi guys. Uh, first of all. I'm a fan of MVVM White, so thanks for it. Thank you very much. Happy to hear. Yeah. And uh, many people actually blame uh, Apple for not cooperating uh, about the performance of the hybrid uh, applications. Is this the case, actually? And is this the reason why the hybrid is slower than the, the native? Uh, so if I understand the question correctly, uh, it's the idea that Apple is sort of intentionally hindering the performance of hybrid. Um, you know, it, it's hard to say what the intentions are, but there's no question that Safari, the browser, is faster than the UI web view that is what you use in a hybrid application. And certainly it frustrates us that Apple doesn't make those things equal because it would make the hybrid experience faster. But when it's compared to native, I think that we always have to bear in mind native is always the fastest. But it has to, again, come back to what are the requirements of your app. Are you, do you need an app with 60 frames per second? Or is it a data collection app, in which case this performance debate is academic. Sure, maybe one's faster than the other, but you're just collecting data in a form. What do you really need 60 frames per second for? So uh, I don't know what the malicious intent is. Yes, the hybrid UI view is slower than the browser. But for many apps, that's not really a, a showstopper. Is that true across all of the hybrid implementations? Or is it, I mean, he picked on Apple specifically. Is Android got performance problems? The Android default browser is just awful. Uh, and so <laughs> well, as, that. as a result, their existing UI web view is, is not the best. But what we know uh, is that Google is actively right now creating a sort of Chrome web view. So yep. the Chrome engine will be usable in those hybrid packages. So I expect in the next six months that uh, Android will be significantly better with Chrome. OK. We have another question. Hi, guys. Happy to be here. I'm Sergio. Well, it's the tablet show, so I have a question about uh, Surface RT. And uh, considering recent uh, news about Microsoft's uh, write-off of a certain amount of uh, money or how accountants think about this, would you care to um, make some guesstimates about the chances of this platform to recover or gain a stronger position in the market? Mm-hmm. 
Um, and just to be clear, like a write down doesn't mean anything was set on fire. It's a it's a an accounting admission for a publicly traded company to say we know we're not going to make as much money as we thought on these devices, mm -hmm. and it comes down to they ordered way more than they thought, and the new ones were coming. Right? They knew the Surface 2 was in the pipeline, so they, we have to admit by law, because we're a publicly traded company, hey, we have a bunch of inventory left over and we know it's kind of screwed. So we're Sounds like a long answer for it. It didn't sell well. Yeah, <laughs> which, is really, which is really what it comes down to, right? You, in the end. Now, the question is, if they'd ordered half as many, could you said they would have sold well? They wouldn't have had the write down, right? It's, you know, that's a different question. In absolute terms, you could still say it didn't didn't sell well. It sold a few yeah. of what they had. But, but if they sold all of what they had, that would be one thing. But I, to your question, actually, it's where do you guys see ARM landing on the Microsoft world these days? Because the new yeah. Intel boxes, the pros, are mm. cheap and good. Yeah. Uh, for me, I think it's, uh, I think the, the ARM story, I think, was kind of a kick in Intel's butt yep. to tell them, please <laughs> make processors which need less battery. Mm -hmm. I think it's really what it accounts to in the end. Now you have the Pro. I have a Surface Pro, for example, and I have an RT. Uh, the only time I use my RT is when I'm on a plane, when really I want to watch a movie, and you know, and it's a nine hours flight. That's the only time, really. Because for the rest of the time, the Pro is better. Mm -hmm. I can run all my development environment on it. I can run all my Windows 8 apps. Even the, you know, it's a great touch experience. And what processor does the Pro run on? It's so Atom, is it? No, no. No, no. The no. Pro is, a, is an i5. 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 I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But so you don't always need uh, uh, the Pro. My, my mother has an RT, and she, yeah. she, she teaches in school, and that RT is a perfect device no, for her. No, but she doesn't need mean. What does it mean? I mean, it means that it's cheaper. So if you had the yeah. Pro, which was cheaper and with a great battery life, basically you'd have an RT, right? right. Except that's an RT plus. No, I think, right? yeah. if, if I could answer real quick, my thought is if as soon as they get the the, the, the side-loading story better uh, so that a, a, a business user can write a business app and easily deploy it in the company without headache, I think then they have a shot at it. Mm -hmm. But because the enterprise is where their strength is, Microsoft, mm -hmm. I don't think they're going to yeah, know, have I mean, dancing we, girls and ads and try to win the, over. The real know. differentiator of RT, right, is uh, there are a few things, right? On 8.1, it's really cool. I mean, you can run your two apps at the same time. That's a yeah. huge differentiator to iPad. But you can do that on the Pro as well. So, right. But uh, my wife, for example, loves the RT because she has the uh, because she has Office on it. So yeah. she's an is accountant. Isn't that what Excel. RT actually is? iPad with Office. I, I mean, <laughs> how many people have said at the end of the day, app, that is the perfect example of Microsoft doesn't get tablets. People don't want to do Office leaning back on their sofa while they're browsing the web and playing Angry Birds. Yeah. And no, but because you're thinking, because you're thinking of the, the iPad. To Carl's point, where Microsoft's strength is, is in the enterprise. So if they're building a tablet for business, have at it, but you're missing the point still for mm -hmm. consumers and what they value in tablets. Uh, so I, I'd like to lean back and read a up. Word document. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, the market apparently disagrees. <laughs> Yeah, well, just because you haven't executed well doesn't mean it isn't a good idea. We'll see. No, it's been executed, not bad. It's been sold, not very good. Yeah, all right. Really and it was a terrible time. ad. Time. Yeah. We have time for one more question. So, while we are here with the enterprise and the tablets, if we get cheap tablets from Microsoft based on Intel platform, would you recommend developing applications in WPF or in RT? 
Well, <laughs> that's, a, that's a really difficult question to answer. For me, the RT apps are not a replacement for WPF apps. They are a companion to those apps. So I used to say that the question, would you develop one or the other, I typically go wild and I say do both, because it's a different use case. And a little bit, for me, the, uh, the RT apps are a little bit like a phone app. So it's really more of a mobile environment. You want to have a great touch experience on it, definitely. WPF offers a great touch experience, but it's a little bit more desktop oriented. So it's a little bit more, you know, keyboard and, and mouse oriented. So personally, I would rather recommend really thinking about your use case. If you have something which is really where the guy is standing and, and writing with a, with, a, with a stylus and going around, I would rather lean to, uh, to the Windows 8 side. But I think that the convergence already now is, is growing so much that it's kind of becoming a moot point. On Isn't the day. install story really the defining point there? Well, install is, a, is, so that's a good point because you have to go through, I mean, a, a WPF app is, just a normal app, right? You can sideload it yeah, very easily. USB so that stick. is also one scenario to take into account, yeah. Uh, to, to also should be noted that uh, RT on the new Windows 8.1, um, very, very close. Like we, a lot of the stuff that we didn't have, we now have. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And also the, <coughs> sorry, the, the configuration and stuff of Windows itself, there's many things that have moved into the RT interface. Yeah. So that's also a big improvement that I see there. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go to the desktop anymore, which feels clunky with touch. Yeah, it's much better. Mm -hmm. All right, I think that's a show. I think hey, so. one more hand for our panel. Give it up. Thank you. We'll see you Thanks. next time on The Tablet Show. <laughs>